In case you missed it, today we are bringing you a special encore release of a recent episode. We'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode. Welcome to Thoughts in the Market. I'm Andrew Sheets, Chief Cross Asset Strategist for Morgan Stanley. And I'm Chetan Aya, Morgan Stanley's Chief Economist and Global Head of Economics. And on this special mid-year outlook edition of Thoughts in the Market, we'll be talking about the outlook for the global economy, business investment, and inflation. It's Friday, May 21st at 3 p.m. in London. And 10 a.m. in New York. Chetan, it's great to talk to you. You know, both of us have been spending a lot of the last week talking with investors about our mid-year outlook, which is a big collaborative process across Morgan Stanley's global economic and strategy teams where we all debate and forecast what we think the next 12 months will look like. And so I want to start with, you know, one of the key questions that at least I've been getting around that outlook, which is that After the last recession, after the global financial crisis, people were also optimistic the growth would come back. They also felt like we returned to a more normal environment. And yet, as as soon as 2010 and then again in 2011, you saw these really big disappointments to growth. So what's different this time? Why do we think that this expansion is going to be stronger and more sustainable than what we saw last time? The biggest difference between this cycle and the previous cycle is in the way the policy response has been and will be. So we've been following a three-point framework when we're thinking about this cycle versus the previous cycle. The first point is that this was an exogenous shock, unlike the global financial crisis, which resulted from excessive leveraging in the private sector. The second is that in the absence of moral hazard issues, policymakers have responded aggressively and actively. And the third is that the issue of income inequality has been on top of the mind for the policymakers. They've been trying to achieve an inclusive growth environment, and both the fiscal and the monetary policy are therefore likely to be far more expansionary relative to the stage of growth cycle we are in. So, Chetan, the policy support is larger, but also how central banks respond to better growth we think will be different. You know, if I think back to 2010, the PBOC in China tightened policy pretty aggressively. We can tend to forget this as a market, but in 2011, when there were fears around inflation, the European Central Bank raised interest rates twice. And, you know, in your economic outlook, you have a, a great table that compares, you know, the conditions where previously the Fed tightened policy, raised interest rates relative to what we expect this time. So, you know, maybe just for listeners, if you can walk through a little bit about, do you think the experience of the last cycle and how central banks responded to it from a tightening perspective is going to influence how they respond to this recovery and growth? That's right, Andrew. And, and, and that goes back to the overarching objective that they have laid before themselves in this cycle. So there are two key objectives that the central banks are operating with. Especially in the U.S., the Fed is saying that it wants the growth environment to be inclusive. And in that context, they want maximum employment and want unemployment to go to as low as possible, which is different from the previous cycle when they operated with a static goal of natural rate of unemployment. And then the other aspect is that they want inflation to be above 2% for some time. So those goals are different in this cycle versus the previous cycle. And in terms of the comparison with the previous cycle, what the Fed did was to tighten monetary policy at a much higher level of unemployment. For instance, if you look at the U6 metric of unemployment, the Fed announced that it would want to do tapering when actually the unemployment levels were at 14%. 
In this cycle, we think that the Fed will be announcing tapering when unemployment is around 75 to 8%. And again, when you're thinking about the rate hike, the economy would be at a very different stage in this cycle compared to the previous cycle. And similarly, in the case of ECB, as you mentioned, the ECB had actually taken up tightening of monetary policy in 2011 way too early before it had achieved lower levels of unemployment. Shethan, you you mentioned inequality, and I think another way that we see that playing out is in access to vaccines, and that remains very different depending on what country you're talking about. When you think about global growth and this divide that you see between vaccine availability in some of the larger developed markets versus some of the emerging markets, how much do you think that affects what global growth will look like over the next year? We are expecting emerging markets, especially those which have not got the vaccination program going ahead in time, to be lagging the DMs, especially the U.S., which is far ahead on vaccination process. But, you know, look, they are benefiting right now on account of a higher exports and external demand being strong. At the same time, because they are more trade-oriented, that improvement in external demand always helps them in seeing a CapEx recovery. So these two line items for emerging markets have been already supportive of their growth. And for those which are exporting commodities are also seeing benefit of higher commodity prices. They are lagged on their domestic demand improvement, especially consumption. But we think that in the next four or five months, as they make significant progress on vaccination, they will also join in and support the global growth recovery. And that should happen sometime around the end of third quarter of this year. You touched on capital expenditure, and I want to come back to that because this is a really key part of our economic thesis. And indeed, the title of our global economic outlook is the red hot CapEx cycle. And this is also an area where, right, we're getting quite a bit of disagreement. I think a lot of investors look at the last 10 years, a decade where generally speaking, there wasn't much investment. There was fears of overcapacity in in manufacturing and other areas. And so you saw a real lack of capital spending. What do you think is going to be different in this cycle? And what gives you conviction in the idea that actually capital expenditure could be a real surprise this time around? So what we saw post-2008 crisis, as growth slowed down from 2012, you began to see an environment where you have low growth, low inflation, lower nominal GDP growth, which in turn affects corporate sector's return expectations. However, in this cycle, because we've got this significant policy response lifting growth rate and also inflation, you are already seeing corporate sector confidence improving, and that's showing up in private investment picking up. And to the extent to which policy support is going to be there for longer this time, we think the corporate sector will be confident to take up aggressive capex. In the past, when you go back in the previous cycle and analyze, the biggest driver for corporate sector investment tends to be aggregate demand and consumption growth. And that is the segment where we have some assurance because consumers are across the DMs sitting with huge excess saving stock. So there is some confidence that consumption growth will be strong and therefore CapEx also will be much strong. And in terms of the comparison of the magnitude of recovery that we're expecting in CapEx in this cycle, our forecast this time look like it is implying a CapEx cycle, which is going to be the best in the last five cycles that we have seen. And especially for U.S., it will be more comparable to the cycle that we had seen immediately post-World War II. And the key comparable factor post-World War II and now 
is that we had a similar fiscal policy response. So I think that that policy response is the key driver to even the investment line item. Chetan, the last thing I want to ask you about is a question that's really, I think, at the top of the market's mind, and that is on inflation. You know, on one hand, inflation picking up as the economy recovers is a tried and true pattern that we see time and time again. And yet, I think this time around, there is quite a bit of focus on the inflation issue. So, you know, when you think about inflation, I think the key questions are how transient, how temporary do you think these inflation pressures are? And when do you think we'll know? whether or not that's the case. So Andrew, when we're thinking about inflation, the key number that you have to look at is what is happening to wage growth and what is happening to underlying state of the labor market. And only when you see that labor market tightens and you see sustainable wage pickup, can you be confident that this inflation is more sustainable? And the Fed is operating under the same framework too. And this cycle, we expect that wage growth will pick up at a higher level of unemployment. And that kind of dynamic will be coming into play from second quarter of next year. In the next uh, three quarters, you are still going to see that there will be some slack in the labor market, which will make Fed also feel comfortable with this rise in inflation that we're seeing right now. And they will call it transitory. But it's only when the labor market tightens enough, pushing wage growth higher is when inflation will become sustainable. And we think that that will happen from second quarter of next year. And we expect core PCE to rise about 2% on a base effect adjusted basis from second quarter of next year through to the end of 2022. Chetan, that gives us a lot to watch as we look at what the year ahead holds. Thanks for taking the time to talk. Great speaking to you, Andrew. As a reminder, if you enjoy Thoughts of the Market, please take a moment to rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app. It helps more people find the show. The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or a solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives and may not be suitable for you. 